0: Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive, and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome back to The Cure for the Common Life. I'm Joseph McClendon III. And as usual, I bring you the best of the best of the best to help you go further faster in your life. And I'm thrilled to have this amazing woman on uh, the show here today, Venu Keller. And I have known her for maybe close to a couple decades now. Uh, we've worked together for a little while, but I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about something that is and should be near and dear to all of our hearts, especially those of us that have children, that want to have children, and ever were a child. <laughs> and uh, this amazing lady, that is her expertise. Vinu is a best-selling author uh, two books, bullet bulletproof, excuse me, and unleash the hero inside your kid. That's all one book. And her number one best-selling book, Numb. She's been featured on ABC, NBC, Fox, the CW. She has a bachelor's of science in psychology, certified life coach, certified behavior consultant, and a certified neuro encoding specialist. And serves as faculty in that team. And she's also a trainer uh, for, for Tony Robbins, or with Tony Robbins, which is how I've known her all of these years. Vinu, welcome to The Cure for the Common Life. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and impart some of your wisdom.
1: I'm so glad to be here, Joseph. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. Well, let's jump right into it. And, and first of all, what made you? And and you and I were talking earlier. You, I know your experience of having uh, been a mom and now a new grandma. <laughs> and you, uh, you know, you have adult children, obviously. But what made you go along this path? Why was it so important for you to to pursue this path uh, with, with helping people with children?
1: So it's interesting because if somebody, I was just talking to somebody the other day. If you would have said to me 14 years ago that I was going to be a parent coach, I would have laughed. I was at the bars. I was drinking. I was that parent that came home, single mom, asked my kids how their day was. They said, good. I'm like, oh, thank God. It was good. What do you want? Chicken nuggets or mac and cheese? Oh, yeah. My friend's coming to pick me up and we're at the bars. I'll be home tonight. Don't forget bedtime's at 10 p.m. And I'd be gone. Like that was my life. That's what I knew. I would yell at my kids to get them to do what I wanted them to do. When they came home with C's, I'm like, what the heck is this, a C? You know you could do better than this. I know you could do better than this. I was raising them with the same expectations my parents had of me, that you had to have A's and B's. There was, it was a non-negotiable. You're going to go to college. You know, this is how life is going to be. And if you want your kids to listen, yell at them. I mean, that's how I was raised and that's all I knew. So to say that I was a parent coach now and I look back at my past, it was just, I would never have seen it. So what changed was when I went to my first UPW in 2007, um, I was suicidal. I was a director of a mental health institution here where I live. Um, I was taking care of uh, teenage boys in group homes. I was leading a whole agency, working with mental health um, adults and children diagnosed. I was myself on antidepressants and anxiety. I smoked, I drank, and I just knew in 2016, I was going to end my life because at that point, both my boys were going to be graduated from high school. And I had the psychology that they didn't need me anymore. I did my job. I'm done. They're adults. I can finally leave this life. I had been suicidal since the time I was 13 years old until the time I was 34 years old. I walked out of that UPW stating to myself, I'm going to live. I didn't know how the hell I was going to live, but I chose to live. I choose that suicide was a non-negotiable now. And through that trajectory of the last 14 years, what established was, what was the story? What was the cause of what created that suicidal tendencies inside me? Why did I always need an exit plan? And why am I choosing to live now? And people say, oh, love yourself, like yourself. If you don't know what that feels like or looks like, right? how are you supposed to do it? Just, oh, I love myself. You know, go say it 50 times every day. You're going to love yourself. But if you don't know the internal feelings of loving yourself, liking yourself, how do you do it? How do you do it? So I, created this whole bully-proof life movement because my journey started with being bullying. And, you know, I was listening to your um, your interview with Dr. Amen about, you know, when you got jumped and because your skin color and how it left a lot of, you know, trauma, you know, inside, right? Like it's inside our brains and we lived through that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like all the bullying I went through about my skin color, about being Indian, you know, um, it was horrific. And I grew up in Southern California too, in Orange County, you know, and they say California is the mending pot and they don't see that, you know, color was seen differently, but I was, I was definitely seen differently and the kids made me know it. And so growing up with all of that, I decided that what if we taught people that bullying was just a a cry for help, that people who bullied were looking for that connection. They were looking for that significance to feel their worth and they weren't getting it at home or anywhere else, but they knew that their formula was to get it at school. So I started going to schools. I did several tours in Hawaii talking about self-harm and bullying and um, suicide. And there was a girl that like, afterwards just came to me crying and, you know, and I'm like, I see you. I, I hear you. And she says, today was the day. And I'm like, for what specifically? And she says, I was going to take my life today. And she goes, cause my story is your story. She goes, however, I have 15 people that live in my house. I'm not seen. They beat me. And she went on with the story. And it was then I'm like, I got to get into the homes. I have got to get into these homes and teach these parents that it doesn't matter if you're a single parent. It doesn't matter if you have two parents that parent on the same page. We we have to teach these kids that they're enough. We have to show them what that feels like and what that looks like. So I stopped doing all the bullying stuff and I started getting into the homes. I created a program where I actually move in with families for four days. Which
0: is amazing. God bless you. And (laughs) the, the courage that it takes to do that, unbelievable.
1: You know, I think the biggest compliment I get is from my older boys. So I have a 27 year old and 22 year old and they say to me all the time, because I have twins that are going to be nine this month. And they're like, you do, you raise them so differently. And I'm like, thank God, thank God I do. And that's a compliment to me yeah. because we're not yelling at them. We're not talking at them. We're talking with them. You know, when my child brings home a grade that I feel they could do better, I don't tell them what I think. I ask them what they think about that grade. I want to know what did that mean? Because there's a lot of times that we're yelling at our kids for these grades, but we don't know if they had problems at school. We don't know if they're struggling. We're just looking at a grade. We're not looking at the cause to get that grade. That grade is just an effect. And so my parenting, what I teach parents is how do you get to the cause of this? If we could get to the cause and recreate that or guide them in a different direction, then we'll have different effects
0: exactly that is that is so beautiful and i concur with that a thousand percent um we had the same types of parents i love my parents and they were great and and uh, you know i hear people say this all the time and i'm one of them that i wouldn't change anything because for the time and the way that they parented me with the yelling and things like that i knew they loved me and i wouldn't be who i am today and it's not how i raised my son i'm similar to you i have conversation with him uh, about things and find out what's really going on to help them get underneath that. So share with us a little bit, maybe give us an example of uh, maybe one of those episodes where you you moved in with a family and uh, maybe got some great, great results. So um, I've
1: been doing this for seven years. Um, I'm actually working on with a, a producer for it to become a show because I just want to, I want to impact more people, mm-hmm. you know, so I have a producer in LA and stuff. We've been working on this. Um, so you know, one of the commonalities that I have amongst all the families I work with is that kids, kids want two things. They want attention and they want control. And when they're little, it was, you know, we hear from our parents like, oh, they're outgrow it. They'll outgrow it. They don't outgrow it. It gets bigger mm-hmm. and they get bigger ideas and they want to do more. So now they're yelling at the parents, like they're 15 years old yelling
0: at the parents and the parents like. It shows like, up in other ways as well. You know, they're correct. Like-
1: Correct. So this one family in particular, I move in with them and, you know, and the dad's like, yeah, I just can't get my son to talk to me. He's just very short. And so first day, I'm just observing and I'm watching this kid come out of his room to get ready for school. And dad says, hey, buddy, good morning. What do you want for breakfast? He's like, I'm not hungry. And the dad says, "Okay, but what do you want for breakfast? He's like, I'm not hungry. He's like, yeah, but I'm making your favorite. Do you want pizza breakfast? Do you want? He's like, I'm not hungry. And i'm just like sitting here like chuckling in my head going yep i can already see the problem kids need to be heard he said he wasn't hungry and you're just stabbing it and stabbing it and stabbing it like he's it's not going to change and the kid just i see him getting escalated and escalated you know it's in like just in that moment i realize like the communication skills is that kid this child's not being heard he found his formula to be heard, and that's yell at the parents, to yell, I'm not hungry. And then the parents are like, oh, I guess he's not hungry. Well, no kidding, right? And so that child has a formula to be heard. And that child's formula has probably been created in them than more like two and three. And as they get older, that if I'm going to be heard, if I'm getting my parent's attention, this is what I'm going to do. And it just expands on that. So like kids start to, you know, like you said, it shows up in different behaviors, right? Like they'll lie, they'll, they'll sneak out, they'll do other things because they want to be seen and they want to be heard. You know, um, one of the things that I do every day, Joseph, I ask my kids, I'm like, how do you know I love you? Mm-hmm. I think we take advantage of the fact that, oh, I work so my kids know I love them. I hug them so they know I love them. But that's my formula to show them love. Yes if I don't know what their formula is to receive love, I might be doing a, but they need C Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I'm not doing C. So how much are they growing up, not feeling loved? And I'm like, wait a second. I, I love them though. Like I showed them every day. I hugged them. I told them I worked for them, but I never asked them. And it changes as I get older. I've asked them since they were three years old. How do you know mommy loves you? And it started out because I play with them with their stuffed animals to now you watch movies with me, you play Monopoly with me, you know, you cook with me, you make my favorite meal on this day. They're telling us if we just ask them, we have to be curious and not critical.
0: You know what you want to hear something funny from you, is um, I asked my son that I've asked him his whole life that as well. And I asked him that uh, Well, it was probably about six months ago. And you know what he told me? It was right in the middle of COVID. And you know what he told me? He goes, I know you, because he's heard that question his whole life. And we're we're real close. And he goes, I know you love me because you leave me alone (laughs) when when I need to be left alone. And, uh, you know, he's 14 years old. And that's important for a young boy and that kind of thing. And, And it was comical. He, you know, he said it uh sort of joking but he but he also meant it as well because we have that type of relationship where
1: (laughs) i was gonna say you guys have a a very interesting dynamic between you i've watched your videos
0: (laughs) well he he uh he'll let me know you know i've always i've always taught him as well i want him to be heard i wanted to know uh the pecking order i don't want him to you know he's got to respect uh people in general and adults and things like that and uh um, however, I let him know that he's he's a, a human being and in this house and in society, he means something and he's worth something. So his opinions matter Uh and it, it, what it has created, and I really encourage other people to do this as well. It, it's, what it's created is a give and take. In other words, that he will ask me that question. Well, how do you know I love you? That kind yes. of thing. And, um, you know, I absolutely love this, and and hats off for you uh, to you for for doing that. And I know that uh, you know your your book, Bullyproof, and you've been such a staunch advocate of uh, you know helping in that. Share with us a little bit about how that came about with because you said you know you had been bullied and, and myself as well. And before you do, I want to share something that one of the things that I recognize as well is bullying is not always that overt bullying, like, you know, Hey, you know, I hate you or, you know, something like that. Sometimes it's underhanded. Sometimes it's, it's covert. And sometimes it is even um, a, a, an ill-placed joke or something like that, yeah. not to mention, society tells you these things as well. So what that, what brought that about in you to, to be such a crusader again, outside of the fact that you've been bullied yourself.
1: So I think that, um, you know, I was at a course and they were talking about being a presenter and stuff and everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have a story. Like I have a story about, I mean, everybody's like into this anti-bullying, like, but anti means against, I don't want to be against the bully. I want to support the bully to get those needs met. And so I took a total different uh, turn of what bullying was. And I, and I went to, again, I got to the cause, like, People don't bully just because they're born they're, they are they're born that day and they're like, hey, I think I'm just going to make everybody feel like shit because I want to feel better. It's, it's a learned behavior. It's a learned formula, right? What's their formula to be seen and heard? And you know what, though, as a person who was bullied, I had a secondary gain out of it, too, though. I mean, I chose it was like almost like you, you don't choose to be a quote unquote a victim, but it's like I didn't do anything to change either you know, I wasn't doing anything different. They weren't doing anything different. And it was just, I just accepted it. And I got connection through myself. I got connection with a friend. Um, You know, I started cutting because I didn't know how else to release the pain. And it was so tight inside of me. I started to cut to release the pain. And so when I decided that I wanted to be a presenter and that I had a story, I wanted to find out what, what, what's the point of the story though? And I said, you know what we want, I want to stop bullying. I want, if I could put in the education to schools on what teachers need to look for, you were so spot on. I have a client who's 12 and she's like, well, I think this guy likes me. I'm like, well, what does he do? And she explained all these things that he's doing, but I'm like, is he doing it because he likes you or is he trying to get aroused out of the class? Right. And, she didn't think of it that way because her friend's like well maybe he likes you and i'm like what he was doing though was passively bullying you know trying to get aroused out of her trying to get like the um make her feel less than him and
0: And society society supports that as well yes you look at one of the things we knew i was i was talking to my son about We were, I forget what the show was, you know, because we've, you know, we don't watch a lot of television, but when we do, you know, we'll kind of talk about it as well. And I said, have you noticed that a lot of these shows in the shows, there's two dynamics. One of them is the parents are always the idiots and the children are the smart ones. And the second thing is when a boy likes a girl, or sometimes even a girl likes a boy, they treat them as though they don't. And they, they, They try to, you know, they ignore them. They make them feel bad. And he goes, "Yeah, Dad." And he goes, "It's kind of that way at school a little bit, you know, because he's at that age where the girls are starting to like the boys and the boys like the girls, but they don't say anything to each other." And it's so interesting. Again, society supports that as well. But you know, what you said is so true with regard to the, you know, the kids nowadays. I look at them. I say, "Kids," you know, but young adults, whatever you want to call them. I look at them and you the secondary gain that you're talking about is huge huge I know it was with me and how I came to to recognize that I was getting a secondary secondary gain was I realized I was bullying myself Mm. I was bullying myself I was telling myself well this is this is who you really are and they wouldn't say that unless it was true and you know you're this and you're that so I was you know on their side to so to speak what do you feel about that
1: well, I feel like we were, were trained to self beat instead of, you know, self praise, you know, and I think that we need to, we need to alter it. Like we can't help it, but society's raising our kids. Like we're in a different time. You and I didn't grow up in a time where we had the internet, like World Wide web, what you yep. know, we had, I remember the dial up, right. We had how long it took to get online through the dial up, you know, the big box computer at school and we're like, oh, we're going to the computer lab. Oh my gosh, I get to touch a computer. And so the thing is, is that society is raising our kids, whether we like it or not. They're influenced. Mm -hmm. We get such little time with them. And that's why, like during COVID, I had such an influx of clients, not because kids are now depressed or whatever. It's parents are home to see it now.
0: See it now and recognize what's going on. They don't know what to do. Yeah.
1: Because they were never home. It's like your kid gets dropped off at eight. You see them at five when you get home. You have a couple hours of dinner, homework, and they're going to bed, and you're going to bed and wash, repeat until the weekend, right? I mean, but now we're home. We're home watching our kids' behaviors. We're watching them stay to themselves. We're watching that that communication that we we thought we had with our kids wasn't really you know as much as we thought we had it because the kids are like, well, I don't want to talk about it right now. So one of the things that I teach parents though is that if you want your kids to, you know say things to you and trust you you have to create an open safe trusting pattern of communication with them if they do not feel judged and you stay curious they will start to trust you maybe not like the first time you know stay away from the why question you know when you say well why would you do that immediately even if they have a reason they're in their mind going i don't know why did i do that and they're defensive already
0: exactly
1: you know this is where kids start to lie like they're like "Well, what if I say the wrong answer I don't know I don't know why. why why are you asking like it's so defensive I mean when somebody asks me a question like you know well why are you getting another certificate and I'm thinking I, I don't know why am I, should I not be getting another certificate should I not be learning like even though I know that I need to grow right but there's still that instant thing in my brain that questions if they're questioning is there something to be questioned so when we do that to our children we're putting them on the spot Instead, ask them a what question. What would that look like? You know, how could I support you? You know, um, like somebody says, like, you know, a kid spills the milk. We're like, why did you spill milk? Who cares why they spilled it? Let's just talk about why, how they're not going to do it next time.
0: One of the things that i found as well along those lines is when I ask a question like that, and even if I ask a what question and he says, I don't know, I say, well, let's you know, we'll talk about it later. And he'll come back to me later because it, that question doesn't go away. He's, he thinks about it. As opposed to if I ask him, like you said, a why question and he says, I don't know, he really doesn't know. He doesn't know and he's not going to figure it out. You know, I've always in neuro encoding, we talk about why is an endless loop question. If you ask somebody a why question, they're going to just keep on and they don't know the answer or they don't like the answer. They're going to keep asking the question in their own head over and over again, creating more doubt and more uncertainty. And uh, um, it is, it's kind of a downward spiral, a loop that, that causes them to go inside. You know, you were talking about uh, COVID, which has been such an interesting, let's just say experimental <laughs> life for all of us. Uh, when uh, the schools got shut down and my son came home, there was, I watched a couple of stages. Now, I've been fortunate and that I've been, you know, I'm, I, I work out of my home now. I shut my offices down, you know, several years ago and just, you know, I, my office is in my home. And um, I, so I'm around, And, but one thing that started to happen was this, before COVID, his door was always open. When COVID happened, and he started doing the online training or the distance uh, training, the door was closed. And I asked him, I said, you know, is there a reason why you're closing your door? And he goes, yeah, because I'm working now. <laughs> and he goes, I can hear you because his his room is right next to my office. And he goes, I'm working right now and I can hear you talking and uh, I'm interacting. And it was interesting because at first I thought he's closing the door. And, I, I, and I'll be honest, you know, I felt like, well, he's kind of boxing me out and, you know, maybe he's growing up, he's becoming a teenager and things like that by, but simply asking the question and, you know, and having that open communication, I got it, you know, and, yeah. now, and that's,
1: it's fabulous because what you're doing is an example of what I teach parents: is that he will be more inclined to tell you what's going on because it's not a judgment. When we create a judgment in our head, like you said, may, I thought maybe he literally was boxing me out. If we create that story, we're gonna we're gonna react to that story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why I always say: stay curious, not critical. Nice. Stay curious.
0: Everybody, write that down: curious, not critical. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, parenting is a multifaceted uh, thing, and obviously, you know, what you're doing is bringing some solutions, and I love your whole concept, let's get to the cause of things. And so, Vinu, how can people get a hold of you and and reach you and avail you of your services?
1: So, I'm everywhere as Vinu Inspires. That's my website. That's my social media. I made it really simple, you know, um, because it's just easier to do it that way, right? Vinu Inspires
0: that's and it you'll get that in the in the uh in the description here you will have that as well and what i encourage you to do is obviously pick up her books and everything and i know you do uh, uh lectures and and uh, you and i i think we're off to probably tomorrow to go do a large event here uh in... i am
1: not but you are oh yeah i'm yeah, taking I... that one off
0: yeah yeah i'm lucky you uh, and so lastly, I always like to ask this question, What is the most exciting thing in your life right now? What's going on and outside of being a new grandma? Okay, so
1: um, you know, um, becoming a part of um, the Neuroencoding team. Oh. You know I just got I just got brought on board last week. I'm excited to do my first call um, mentoring, um, mentoring the coaches, mentoring people on their journey through neuroencoding. You know, the system that you've created is amazing. Um, I use it in all my coaching um, and it's the most exciting thing that's happened to me lately. So I'm excited to see where that journey goes as we start creating and doing more.
0: Well, we on the team thank you because you are such an asset to help other people. And that is, you know, what we're all out for. That's the whole neural encoding model is to help others help others. And that's what you're doing. And we're unbelievably proud of you and unbelievably thankful to have you on the team to help other people as well. So thank you so much. Let's do this again at some point, ladies and gentlemen. You'll find her at Vinu Inspires. Dot com, as well as you'll see all of the information in the description here. And as usual, ladies and gentlemen, remember that life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold. So dare to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. We are out! Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas, you might want to be a guest on my show. You can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.